Very happy to be home from my uh, DC, New York trip. I can handle Manhattan for about a day and a half, and then I'm ready to come home. So um, people have asked me if I had a good time, and yes, we did. We didn't. I guess the main thing is we brought home the number of people that we left with, and so that was a, a good trip if that happens. We are, uh, we are studying the book of James this summer, and I am looking forward to um, learning together what it means to live the Christian life with wisdom. The book of James is a, um, it's a book of useful helpful, practical, relevant guidance for us, written to people who are followers of Jesus. So I'm just going to get right into it this morning, and I will tell you straight ahead this morning that we will be talking about the trials of life, or when trials come, about the troubles that life often brings, the challenges that life often brings. And there are... There are many different types of trials, and, and I was thinking this week really about the relationship between expectations and trials and how those are often related. And um, We expect to be married sometime in our 20s, expect to have a job or be employed sometime hopefully in our 20s, maybe our 30s. <laughs> you expect to have children, you expect to have a, a happy, healthy marriage, you expect to have happy, healthy children who get A's in all their classes and are all-stars in all of their sports teams and just all of these things. And, and what happens is as you begin to live life, you just <clears throat> you realize as you get older and older um, how deeply flawed our world is and how there are many, many trials of life, many different types, many different seasons of, of trials. And sometimes there are times in life where we feel like life is just a continual trial. Like that, that's the pattern of our life. Thankfully, um, the book of James helps. And so, if you have your Bible, I just want to invite you to turn to James chapter 1. James is written by a man, surprisingly enough, his name is James. He is the half-brother of Jesus. And he begins by saying this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. just want to stop there for just a moment. How, how unique this is. James doesn't say anything about his credentials. He identifies himself first and foremost as literally, the, the word is a slave of Jesus. He doesn't list his credentials as I am the brother of Jesus, maybe the half-brother of Jesus. I am connected to the Messiah, he's my family. He lists, he lists something that's more deep, more profound, an understanding of the gospel. And here's the thing that's really interesting about him, is early on in his life, he is not a follower of Jesus. He, he doubts and has questions. Um, the gospels mention that. But then later on in life, he's actually one of the key leaders <clears throat> in the church when it first begins. And so James is one of the oldest books and the last part of verse 1 says this, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. That means that Paul wrote to a community of people, of believers in Jerusalem, who had been scattered, who had been sent out because of persecution. So their, their lives had been disrupted. We, we can all, I think we can all, if you've lived life for a little while, we can all easily identify with the trials of life. 
If you come from a home where there is divorce, where there is addiction problems, where there has been abuse, the list can go on and on and on of things, unemployment, relationship problems, and things can weigh heavy on us. And um, I'll just even to share very briefly, just, it sounds funny, but looking back now, but just dealing with, um, with little league issues and adults and parents and how, how people treat each other, it's, it's, um, it can weigh us down. It can weigh heavy on your heart when you see people um, not being treated fairly or being um, demeaned or looked down upon. And it's just the world we live in. And I've spent, um, honestly, uh, you know, a large part of my life trying to understand what James is going to talk about. Let me even read it to you so we can make sense. Verse 2 says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. James, he just puts it out there. Maybe one of the hardest verses to be honest and sincere about. I have two options, really, uh, as the, the person who stands up here often and teaches, because he says this, that everybody, everybody goes through trials. And as somebody who has to stand up front and, and teach from the Bible, I have the option of, um, of faking it, of me dealing with my own trials and saying, you know what, I, I, I am going through trials, but I'm just going to fake it Sunday mornings and, and not be honest about trials in my own life and just try to uh, and share happy talk and be, say nice things. That's one option. And I said, that, that's an extremely dangerous option. But I can tell you that is a very strong temptation because our hearts can get bitter really easily. We, can, we get hurt easily. And what you have to do, the only solution that I know of is to pray, pray the, the ice off of my own heart to keep my heart warm to the truth of, that, of, of the gospel, that Jesus loves me, loves um, the people that I'm struggling with. So this, this topic James says this very short, nice little greeting and then just hits the core issues. Some of the core issues of our lives just straight away. So there's, there's very little, little warm-up. There's very little easing into meaningful, deep issues of life. He just hits it straight on. All right, and so just for a few minutes, identify a couple of, of words. Okay, so the struggle in my own life and probably with yours is this relationship between trial and joy. John, uh, John chapter 17, John chapter 16, when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he says things like this, that my joy cannot be taken from you. Um, Paul talks about this. James talks about this. Throughout the whole New Testament, there is a reoccurring theme that it is possible to have a joy that is not related to life's circumstances. So that while you are going through a trial, there is something available, a type of joy, that is available to us all. So let me just look at some of these words that are actually meaningful and significant. So, verse 2 says this, Count it all joy, my brothers. And the word all here is the idea of pure. There is a pure joy. It's not all in, in an encompassing sense, but a pure joy 
um, the idea of an entire, a fulfilling joy. James is not talking about the emotion of happiness. He's talking about an attitude. When I was, <laughs> when I was in seminary and I took a counseling class, um, I'm not making fun of my seminary time, but here's all I remember about it. They, they differentiated between um, what do you think about this and then how do you feel? How does that make you feel? <laughs> That's all I remember. What do you think about it? Well, how do those, those thoughts make you feel? Well, here's what, Paul, here's what James is saying. He's saying it is not about your emotions. When he's saying count it all joy, brothers, he's talking about your attitude, your thoughts towards the trial. Because your emotions... Your emotions can be sad. If you look at the Psalms, it's overflowing with emotions and brokenheartedness. So he's saying these, these are not the same thing. You can have an attitude. Your thoughts, here's what he's saying, your thoughts are more important than your emotions during times of trial, during times of trouble. Because your emotions will steer you away from reality, from what's real. They will, they will lead you to reactions, that will often deepen the, the trial. So, count it all joy. Count, count it pure joy, my brothers. One author I read said this, and this is helpful for me, defining joy. An unnatural reaction, an unnatural reaction of deep, steady, thankful trust in God. That is what is possible. While your heart is breaking, and, and while your emotions are sad, you can still have an unnatural reaction of deep, steady, thankful trust in God. James is saying this, and here's the thing that's really interesting about the book of James. It's filled with commands. Over and over, more, more imperatives, if I recall, than any other New Testament book. And this is the command to count it or think carefully you're not living your life by your feelings. Think carefully. Think the right way. That when you encounter various kinds of trials, let me just give you a couple that he talks about here that are relevant for us. He talks about financial trials. In verses 9 through 11, he's talking about people who were poor and who became wealthy. And he's talking about wealthy people who became poor. Later on in the book, he's talking about people who have physical trials. There are all sorts of trials, all sorts of challenges that Paul is talking about here that are just a real fact of our life. So Paul says this, it is not if, it's not if you will have trials, it's when. And I know, listen, you can, depending on how long you've been in church and how skillful you are at playing games, you can compartmentalize your life, you can keep everything at a surface level, and you can, to some degree, avoid trials. If your life is in such control and you separate and compartmentalize and you flee friendships and you never really love or care about anybody, you can avoid trials to some degree. But if you are living a fully human life, if you are loving people, if you are caring for people, if you are serving people, if you are invested in other people's lives, you will face trials of various kinds. So it should not come as a shock. Christian friends, when we have 
neighbors that are diagnosed with cancer and they pass away, or we have friends in the community that have employment problems. Nowhere in the Bible does it say Christians are immune to that. We don't have some special little cloak that we wear that protects us from the fallenness of the world. We are just as likely to have the same struggles as people in the world. So if you are new to Christianity or you're new to church, it's very important you understand that, that the Bible never promises that. It never promises an easy life. The Bible says when, not if. So all of us, all of us will have times of trial, of trouble. Let's move on then to verse 3. And try to think carefully then, if here is the truth, Paul, excuse me, James is saying this, count it all joy, think carefully that when you have trials going on in your life, that you have the right attitude. What is the rationale behind the command to have joy during this time? And that's what he's talking about in verse 3. And here's what he says. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So Paul is saying that the immediate goal during this time is that you would develop endurance in your life. That you would develop steadfastness. That you would have perseverance. One of the most important qualities in the Christian life is the idea of being steadfast, of not giving up. There are so many other qualities that are good and meaningful, but if you want one of the core <coughs> truths of Jesus trying to instill in his disciples is this. He sends them out, listen, you will have trials. Do not be surprised. This, this, this world we live in is flawed. It's broken. Persevere. Don't give up. You cannot give up. In the midst of trials, I remember talking um, to Willie Forsythe about a year or so ago. I've had Willie come to my, if you don't know Willie, Willie is a like, special forces kind of guy in the Air Force. And uh, for my eighth graders, all the eighth grade boys, they love that kind of stuff. And so I'll have him come and talk to my students about the training and how tough it is. And I remember, remember him talking to the boys about um, the physical aspect of it. He said, yeah, you know what? It is tough. It is, I'll be honest, it is tough. But more than that, they want people who, are, who will persevere, who are not quitters. It's more attitude than physical. It's a really important, interesting connection that that is a Christian theme, that if you want to show your faith to be real, there will be a persevering aspect to it. That is the goal that he is talking about. Verse 4 says this, And let your steadfastness <clears throat> have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. The goal of trials of our life is to develop perseverance that will develop maturity in your life, that things in your life will grow that are missing. This is, this is tremendously important to understanding the Christian life and not being tricked up or being deceived. The idea of maturity. Let me just give you three, <clears throat> three things related to trials that often show up as far as our need for completeness. Number one is humility. When you go through times of trials, humility will be a maturing aspect. The edges of your life will become rubbed off. In fact, Paul talks about this. Turn for just a second, just to, to show clarity. 
Turn your Bible to 2 Corinthians just for a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, <clears throat> verse 7. All right? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Paul, talking about the Apostle Paul, very successful guy, bright, smart, trained, lawyer, just high achiever, type A on steroids, just was the man. All right? And this is what he says. Chapter 12, verse 7. For all of you high achievers. So to keep me from becoming conceited, to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that this should leave me. Right? This is our response. This is me. As soon as I'm going through something a little bit challenging, please, God, take it away. Help me. I need a miracle. Take it away. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness. This is not normal stuff that we will boast in our weakness. Trials produce maturity, produce growth in your life in areas of humility where you see yourself no longer as the center of the universe. That when you go through times of trial and you are broken and Christ is renewing himself in you, a humility will develop. Another thing that trials will produce in you that will produce more humanness in you is compassion. If you've gone through a trial, um, gone through a difficult time, if you've gone through a difficult time with your marriage, hopefully one result of that is you will develop compassion for other people who are going through struggles in their marriage instead of a critical spirit. Instead of saying things like, they've been a Christian for 10 years and they're still struggling with that. Right? We would never say that. Compassion. Compassion is a critical, vital element of growing in your maturity. One last aspect as far as having your life, of having steadfastness, of having endurance produce things in your life. It will produce a deeper and more meaningful faith. When you're going through a difficult time, a struggle, and God sees you through it, those can be bookmarks. Those can be things you can look back on and see. God is faithful. We'll see this later on. But one of the most important things that we can learn from this is for us to recall and remember to impress upon our hearts that God is faithful to his promises. That regardless of the choices we make, he is faithful to his promises. His love endures forever. We sing about this often. So often our faith becomes fragile. We're very forgetful. We fall. Our automatic default thing is to go to our own, our own answers. We want to solve our problems, and we don't recall the faithfulness of God. James starts out very clearly, straightforward, that not if, but when we will have trials. And the purpose of those trials is to, to bring steadfast maturity to your life, to grow you.
All right, how do we live that part out? How does that actually happen in our lives? Verse 5 through 8 give us the answer. Trials in life need to be understood with supernatural wisdom. Trials in life need to be understood with supernatural wisdom. Verses 2 through 4, I can tell you right now, it is so easy just to push those aside and become bitter, to become resentful, to walk away from the Lord, to walk away from the community of believers because you've been hurt so bad, because we have wrong expectations. And James is telling us, if you're in that, in that place, here's how you move forward. He says this, if any of you lack wisdom, this is talking about wisdom on how to understand your trials. This is not wisdom about should I marry Mary Beth or should I marry Sue or should I take the job in Nebraska or Arkansas. This is about wisdom in the context of struggling with trials. And here's the question that often comes up in my own life. I don't understand the point of this trial. I don't see how this is helping me. I don't see how the pattern that's happening in my life, how this is, not, how this is helping. So Paul said, James says this, ask, ask God to help you during this time. Three questions we can ask to help us understand this part. First, what does the Bible mean by wisdom? Number one, what does the Bible mean by this wisdom? Number two, what does this teach us about God? And then number three, what does the Bible teach us about prayer? Okay, so here's what he says. I'll read again. Verse five. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable in all of his ways. First of all, what is the Bible talking about when it talks about wisdom? Let me just show you really briefly. um, Turn your Bible to Proverbs chapter 3 for just a moment. Proverbs chapter 3. And when the Bible is talking about wisdom, this is what James is talking about. There's a a direct connection with the book of James and the book of Proverbs, okay? So, when you're asking God to help you, to give you wisdom during this time, turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. If you want a passage that um, is fairly easy to memorize and to to fall back on is and it's well known to many people but Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6 where we're trusting in him instead of our own ways that is what James is referring to if you lack that if your tendency is to always see things through your own eyes recall God's wisdom 
Wisdom is the ability to be able to apply God's word to your life. Lots of people, lots of people know the Bible really well. But they struggle applying it to their life. It's really interesting. I think maybe it's just my position, but people often come to me and, and quote lots of really good Bible verses and ask me church history questions and like all this <laughs> stuff. I'm like, that's great, okay? That, that is, there is a place for that. But listen, ultimately, you just got to live, right? We all have to live. And it's not all that meaningful if you have acquired a bunch of knowledge, but you can't live it. James is saying, ask God to give you wisdom. That is the ability to live out the truth of God's word. That's what he is talking about. So number one, that's what we learn about wisdom. Number two, what do we learn about God? We learn that he gives wisdom to all. It's not just to pastors or church leaders. It's not just for people um, that have been coming to church for a long time or they've memorized certain things. It's for anybody who will pray and ask God. One of the main things that if we could impress upon our lives as far as your understanding of God is, it is the word generously. That God is a generous God. That he wants to give to you. That he wants to bless you and give you more than we even understand. The idea of giving you wisdom, of making wise choices in our lives during times of trial. Think back for a moment, if you've gone through something recently, think about how often or how fragile we can be. When you're at your wit's end, when you've had enough, like you can't handle this anymore. And how desperate during those times that we need God's wisdom to not be reactionary, to not add to the trial by making it worse. God will give it to you generously. He gives out of concern for you. Question number three, what do we learn about prayer? James says this, but let him ask in faith. This is where reality presses in even deeper during times of trial. Do you want to move forward with God during times of trial? Do you honestly want to grow during times of challenge, of, tri of tribulation, of hurt? Are you wholehearted in your commitment to growth in your life? Because what happens is, as, as that need for maturity what it, what it does, it addresses the idea of this. We only want to grow in areas that we like. And maturity says, no, the, here's a blind spot. You need to grow in this area. This trial is here because you need to grow in this area. This person is in your life being a thorn in your flesh because you need to grow in this area. This person, their mouth is in your life to teach you to not be a quick mouth back? Are you willing to be fully in to the growth that God has for you? If, that's, if there's one question to help us shift and, and give flow of thought to us this morning, it is that. Are you fully in to the growth that God has for you during your time of trial? That is the challenge. James warns us about wanting it both ways. He says this in uh, verse four, chapter 4, verse 4. The idea of we want, we want God to help us and help us grow, but we want one foot in with the world. We want, we want it both ways. Because here's what he says. 
But let him ask in faith with no doubting. With no doubting, for the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. So here are the conditions. No doubting and not double-minded. In verse 8, he who is double-minded. The condition for getting wisdom is the need for faith, taking away doubt, and taking away the double-mindedness during times of trial. He is unstable, tossed about. This is the picture. Uh, If there is something that we need, that I need, that we as a family need, the idea of maturity that produces stability in our lives, of not being tossed all around because of challenges of life. I read this week, uh, one commentator, if you like old, old English guys, this guy is really good, Alec Mateer, you listen to one of his sermons and you get about 10 seconds into it and you're like, who is this guy? It's a super strong British accent, but he's brilliant. Here's what I read this week, talking about the need for stability and maturity in our lives. One of the frightening features of the present day, this is a very short quote, one of the frightening features of the present day is the widespread dependence on sedatives to cope with situations that our grandparents would not have seen as a problem. Ordinary factors like bringing up children, facing tomorrow, which is essentially the same as today, The problem of feeling trapped, bored, problems of having time and knowing, not knowing how to fill it. The book, I'm like, that, that's today. And I looked when the book was published, 1985. I was 14. And the trend has continued. There is just a desperate need for us to develop maturity. And the idea that hopefully not the shocking idea, but the honest idea that God will give trials to us to grow us up. But there is this idea that if you want God's wisdom, you cannot be double-minded. You cannot be doubtful. You have to pray in faith. Think about the, the implications of this for prayer ministry at church and prayer time uh, during worship. How often do we as a church family pray that God would give us wisdom during this trial? My natural response is, God, take the trial away from me, not God, give me wisdom. Give Give me the ability to see what you're trying to teach me. Nowhere does it say, take it away. Paul tried that, and Jesus says, no. It's there for a reason. So you can boast in your weakness. You can boast in the strength of Christ. The implications are life-changing, really, for our church and how we view ministry and how we minister to each other, how we care for each other. Because life, I guarantee you, many of you are going through trials now. Different types of trials. So that's what we learned. Three things We learn about wisdom, we learn about God, and we learn how to pray. We must pray with faith, with belief, that God is faithful to his promises, that he will give you wisdom, that he will give you clarity to see 
what he wants to teach you during this time of trial. <clears throat> Let's finish up with this. The last thing about trials, we'll look at verses 12 through 18, is that if we're not careful, trials can turn into temptations. Verse 12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Again, that word. Blessed is that man, for he will receive, for when he has stood the test of time, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. All right, here's how this works out. Let's just take, let's take a trial of unemployment for a while. Nobody, I don't think at least, nobody thinks when you're in your, in your 20s and you think about your career, and oh, I look forward to that time when I'm 45 years old and I'm unemployed and I've got three kids and I don't understand how I'm going to move forward. That's a, listen, if you're 20, I've been, I was 20, 21, 22, unemployed. Eh, it's not that big of a deal, right? You can live off a banana and a yogurt or whatever. I mean, your cost of living is pretty low. Right? So the stress is pretty low. Wait till you're 45 or 50 and you're married and you have a family and health bills are happening. You've lost your job. Your job has been moved out of state. That's a trial. How are you going to feed your family? James is saying this. Don't allow a trial to turn into a temptation, which it easily can, and here's how it can. You begin to exaggerate on your resume. You lie about your, on your resume to get a job. You're not honest with your taxes. You start looking for quick ways to make a buck. You're in sales and you exaggerate the reality of what you're selling. Temptations creep in during times of trial if you're not careful. Maybe you're having a marriage, a marriage struggle or time of of hardship, and there aren't easy solutions to real-life problems. The temptation, then, is to be extra nice with the woman sitting next to you at work. And she says really nice, sweet things to you that you aren't getting from your wife. And the temptation is to have lunch because she says really nice things and affirms you. Don't allow your trial to evolve into a time of temptation. That is never a part of what God is trying to do for you. The trial can be used by God to grow you, but God will never allow that, or God never intends for that to be a part of the process. And here's what he says. James says, For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. That the word desire, there's a really interesting word, and it's all throughout the New Testament. It is the idea, it's the word of an epic desire. The Greek word has a prefix on it that adds intensity. It's like an epic desire, like the epic center of an earthquake, the most intense place. Temptation comes when desires become epic desires. It's maybe the most helpful way to think about sin and temptation during times of trial. The desires that we have in and of themselves aren't bad. The desire to have a job is obviously a very good thing. The desire to provide for your family is a very good thing. 
But if that becomes the ultimate desire, instead of trusting God during times of trial, you'll do things like cheat and lie and distort the truth. And then it becomes a sin issue. The way out of this maze a little bit of times of trial and temptation in life is the need to change your desire. The only way, the only way to have healthy desires is to exchange one desire for another. And the ultimate desire has to be the desire for Jesus. The end desire, when it has conceived, give birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. James is not, he's not church light. He's not like Miller light with low calories. He's not church light with just like nice little things on the side. He's just dealing with core issues that have dramatic, relevant impact in our life. We must not allow times of trial to bring forth and birth sin because we succumb to temptation. Let's try to tie this together and then I'll finish and we'll, we'll pray and have communion. Count it all joy, brothers, not if, but when. We will all go through times of trial. Okay? I will. The worship leaders will. Other church leaders will. We will all go through times of trial. But there is a joy, there is a way to think about trials that can bring forth maturity. If we're struggling with that, we ask God to give us wisdom, to give us insight, to be able to see, God, what are you trying to teach me? What part of my life are you trying to bring maturity to? Instead of saying, just God, take this away from me. Trying to understand how he's trying to grow us up. But also being wise and understanding that we don't allow the time of trial to grow into a temptation that can bring us down. And we do that by exchanging one desire for another, of having the right desire, of seeing Jesus as the most meaningful, the most soul-satisfying person that's ever lived. And when you see that, when your desires are changed, when the desire of your heart is, I want to see Jesus through this time of trial, when you try to change the way you think about the trial and desire maturity and growth, He is faithful to His promises. If there's anything we must take away from this is this, is that God is faithful to his promises, that he will give you wisdom and insight during times of trial. Last thing, we have to remember, James writes to a community of people. He's not writing to one person. And so the idea of trials are meant to be lived out on the shoulders of other people. That's why we have a time of prayer together so that people can share the load with you. Financial problems, relationship problems, marriage problems, whatever trials you are going through, there are people here that care about you. You have to be a part of a church where people care about your soul. They care about who you are. They care about how you're doing. And we want to provide that for you because we do do that. We do care about how people are doing. If you are going through a difficult time this morning, Please, there are people here that love you and will pray for you. And um, during times of communion, we just want this to be a time where you can reflect and remember how much God is faithful to his promises. I'm going to pray and worship people will come up during that time. Father, we love you.
Father, I pray that we would be able to see clearly that during times of trials that you promise to give us wisdom and, and insight and your goal is our own growth. That we would become more like your son Jesus. That we would develop wisdom and insight. Father, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that's, that's just going through a time of trouble and challenge, that they would leave here encouraged and strengthened. <clears throat> Remember how much they're loved and the people will share that with them. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat>